Good morning, members. Happy Friday the 16th of September. Welcome to your morning meeting. Marcus, any good news overnight? That is a very good question, Chi-Chi. Is there any good news overnight? No, I don't think there is, I'm afraid. It was pretty ugly and everything you didn't want to happen has continued to happen. All the indicators from overnight are going to push the Fed into raising rates aggressively next week and probably next month. There were some better than expected retail sales numbers. People are buying cars and dining out, it seems. That gives the FOMC another excuse to raise rates. And also we saw another drop in weekly jobless numbers. They're the lowest jobless numbers now since May. And that, again, puts further pressure on rates. The chances of a 100 basis point rate rise from the Fed next week are now running at 20%. They are actually down from 32% just after the CPI number. But the whole message is central banks are going to stay aggressive. Also not helping overnight are warnings from the IMF and World Bank about the risk of global recession. The oil price and most commodity prices were down, but the oil price took a particularly big dive as the US managed to avoid a railroad shut down. Prospect was if they shut the railroads that everybody would be freighting everything by road and obviously that hasn't happened. The US dollar had another rise. US bond yields continue to rise. The US yield curve continues to invert. Gold hit its lowest since April 21 down another $32. Ouch. And our futures this morning were down 50 and that's pretty much I think what the market has done today. As I say Dow Jones was down 173 if I hadn't mentioned that and was down 200 53 at worst, down 143 at best. S&P down 1.1%, NASDAQ down 1.4%. So all pretty ugly overnight. A few other headlines as well. Adobe, interestingly, dropped 16.8%. Its market cap dropped $30 billion on the announcement that it was making a $20 billion acquisition of a company called Figma, which everyone thinks they've overpaid for it. Interesting headlines about Putin says Xi has questions and concerns over Ukraine and acknowledges China's concerns over Ukraine in a sign of friction. The US has announced a $600 million arms package for Ukraine. And that's about it. Pretty ugly. I'll get to strategy in a minute. Thank you very much for that, Marcus. Leighton, how are the local markets and what are the brokers saying? Thanks, Cheech. So it's shaping up to be not a very nice end of the week. ASX 200 is currently down 59 points, and that's the most we've been down all day. And the futures were down 50 points this morning, as Marcus had said. Financials were going along okay, but they've slipped a bit in the last couple of minutes now as we're doing this podcast. CBA and ANZ are both trading lower, but NAB and Westpac are creeping higher ever so slightly. Tech is also going okay. It's the only sector that's in positive territory today. CPU, computer share, is up 4.1%. Haven't found any news on that yet, Marcus. Have you heard anything? Actually, I'll put a chart in the strategy piece today. Computer share is one of the few companies that benefits out of higher interest rates. And I think in this recent sell-off, our market's fallen about 4%, and computer shares over the same period has been up about 12-13%. So it's one of the few stocks that outperforms in a higher interest rate environment. And I don't know whether any broker has decided to tell people about that or say buy, but it is standing out today as one of the few very good performers against a falling market. 
Thanks for that. And back onto the sectors, gold is getting absolutely smashed again. It was down $32 overnight, I believe. And basically all of the gold miners are in negative territory. Northern Star is down 4%, Evolution Mining down 3.7%, and Sandfire Resources down 3.9%. Just cannot catch a break at the moment. The rest of the resources not doing too well either. BHP and Rio are both down over a percent each, and Energy is also taking a bit of a hit. Woodside is down 2.5%, and Santos is down 2%. Coal stocks as well, losing a bit of that run that they had in a bit of a sell-off today, and lithium getting sold off today as well, so not too many places that you can hide today. Some of the announcements out this morning, Atlas Arteria has completed its share placement, that's down 8.1% on that this morning. Platinum Asset Management has extended its on-market buyback for a further 12 months, they're up a percent and a half, and Ioneer has completed its agreement with Caterpillar, they're down 1.5% on that news. Looking at the calendar today, domestically we've got new home sales for August. Not a lot going on internationally. US has a Michigan Consumer Sentiment Statement for September. Some of the ex-dividends today, there's no real big ones. Car sales is the only company of note going ex-dividend today. It's not a very big one. And looking at the brokers, there is an interesting report out from Citi who has sort of given a blanket update for the banking sector in the coming years. And they're expecting excess levels of liquidity ahead of the quickest and largest tightening in more than 30 years to drive a 30 basis point net interest margin increase across the banks. Marcus, did you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, I've put a chart in the strategy piece of the bank sector. The bank sector is holding up really quite nicely in this recent sell-off, has to be said. And Citibank are just making the point that net interest margins will probably widen for them. And if you were to be worrying about recession fears and worrying about therefore cyclical stocks, well, the banks aren't that. So they are likely to outperform so income investors can probably relax a little bit. Also in the broker stuff, you'll see UBS has got that bit of research out on mineral resources. This is the one where they say if they separately list their lithium assets, the share price will be 86% higher. Their current target price is actually only 19% higher. And whilst I'm on broker stuff, I see Citigroup's got a sell on WiseTech. It's quite interesting. And Aristocrat Leisure as well, upgraded by Morgan Stanley today. Their target price is 32% above the current share price. Got to say the trend on Aristocrat Leisure is pretty shabby. 2.4% yield, 20 times multiple is quite cheap for them. They've traded, traded on 45 times in the past few years. So 20 times they're getting there. You do need the consumer to be a bit more buoyant than they are at the moment for Aristocrat Leisure to fly along. But at some point that'll be a buy. But as I say, share price at the moment, trend's pretty horrible. And thank you very much for that, Leighton and Marcus. Marcus, back to you for strategy and your ideas. Well, the strategy is easy today. Everything we've been worrying about, we went to 100% cash yesterday. So I sold the exposure to the NASDAQ and the exposure to the S&P 500 to make the point that the trend in the market is unlikely to improve for weeks, if not months after that CPI number, because the central banks are all getting more aggressive. And overnight, there's no excuse for them not to be because of this stronger than expected retail sales number. 
lower than expected jobless number. The chance of a 75 basis point rate rise next week from the Fed are sitting at 80%. There's a chance they'll raise them 100%. And all the indicators are going the wrong way at the moment. US dollars going up again. It's a safe haven currency and it's a, a sort of barometer of risk on versus risk off. And clearly, since that CPI number, everyone's gone risk off again, which is not good for cyclicals, not good for resources. It suggests the recession fear. And that means commodity prices are on the slide. The Aussie dollar on the slide. That's not good for our resources sector either. Aussie dollar has dropped from 69 to under 67 in a week. That's a huge move for a currency. And then we've got these studies out overnight, which make for pretty grim reading. The World Bank says that the world's three largest economies, US, China and EU, are slowing sharply and even a moderate hit to the global economy over the next year could tip it into recession. Global growth is slowing sharply, with further slowing likely as more countries fall into recession, with devastating consequences for emerging markets and developing economies. The World Bank, of course, has to worry about world banks, and they are always going to be on the conservative side of risk, so they are fulfilling their role. They do say that synchronized interest rate hikes and related policies are going to continue well into next year and might not be enough to bring inflation back down to the level seen before the pandemic. So if you really want to stick the knife in, the World Bank have done it overnight, and the IMF as well have said that downside risks continue to dominate the global economic outlook in some countries and is expected to tip them into recession next year. And they expect a further loss of economic momentum in the third quarter with continued inflation, supply chain problems and tighter financial market conditions. Nobody likes the outlook for the world economy overnight. So World Bank and IMF ringing the alarm bells. And on the back of that, the this yield curve's inverted further. The 10-year bond yield versus two-year. The yield curve was inverted 13 basis points before the CPI number this week. That's up to 41 basis points now, which is ugly stuff. In normal times, you would see long-term rates always above short-term rates. But we've got it the other way around, which suggests that in the short term, we've got a hump of inflation and interest rate rises to get over. And these bond yields are still rising, which suggests we're not at the top of the inflation or interest rate cycle yet. So all these things just reinforce being in 100% cash today, which is what we did yesterday. Cash is king. Happy with that call for today, at least. Tomorrow, of course, is another day. On the ideas front, we took a bit of a risk buying the SNAS, SNAS ETF, which is the ultra short NASDAQ, and the BBUS, which is the short, geared short to the SP 500. Our two ideas now in two days, they're up 4.9%, 3.5%, thanks to the falls overnight. So happy with that. South 32 has gone ex dividend. I will adjust the price on that for the dividend. We're down a couple of percent there, so haven't quite been able to strip the dividend yet. JB Hi-Fi is sort of behaving itself. It's unchanged today. We're down 1.5% on that. I have set a stop-loss level on both Domino's and JB Hi-Fi. Domino's, we're down 4.7% since we bought it in four days. So we bought it, obviously, ahead of the CPI number, which was a bit of a mistake. So not inclined to buy any more. The bet is still that the markets are trending down, and we've got a couple of decent bets on that. The other ones, I've set stop losses, and we will just see if they drop through those and move them on if they do. So a bit of trading discipline. And that's about that. Cash is king. 
Thank you very much for that, Marcus. And I do believe Stuart has a new section in today as well. Oh, yes. Sorry, I'm still editing that. Stuart's introduced his, what he calls his percentage volatility indicator. What he does is take the ATR as a percentage, the average true range of the ASX 200 index as a percentage of the index, which is standard way to compare the volatility of various stocks and indices. But we've got a fairly long-term chart of that. And the obvious observation is to keep an eye on the volatility of the indices and particularly the ASX 200. If it gets over about 1.5%, it rings alarm bells. We recently touched 1.5%. We're below it at the moment, so alarm bells not ringing. But you'll see from the chart of this indicator over the last few years, it has occasionally spiked and it is always accompanied by a sharp drop in the market. At the moment, reasonably relaxed was the message. I will get that edited and up on the website as soon as I can. Thank you, Marcus. And let's end the podcast with our question of the day. What is the strangest thing you have ever eaten? Leighton, do you want to start us off? I'll preface this quickly by saying I'm vegetarian now, but I have eaten dove. Oh, dove tastes That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> what the dove taste like? Gaming or? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know if I could eat dove. It's too close to being a pigeon, I think. <laughs> I'm Nigerian by heritage, so there's a quite a few strange dishes that I've eaten. Snails, crocodile, intestine, tripe, oxtail. So I've got a list of them, which are all tasty if they're in the right hand, especially tripe. Marcus, have you ever eaten tripe? The British like a bit of tripe. Uh, yes, I've eaten tripe. I don't think you ever eat it more than once, though, do you? <laughs> and the other one is in China, I ate a whole plate of scorpions for a bit. Uh, they weren't they weren't very big. They sound big. You can deep fry anything and eat it, <laughs> can't you? So uh, I think you could deep fry a Tesla and eat it if you fry it long enough. Anyways, plate of scorpions and what do scorpions taste like deep fried chips oh all right i might have to give that a go just basically protein and cameron what's the strangest thing you've ever eaten other than sand as a child um, (laughs) i'd probably have to go for these cured meats i ate when i was in italy they were pretty much just raw just cooked with lemon i actually really enjoyed it yeah okay well that brings us to the close marcus will be back with the saturday report and we will see you back here next week and we got through that without mentioning the bloody slow cup (laughs) (laughs) oh damn we just did (laughs) whoops have a lovely weekend members see you back next week